Good morning, good morning, and good morning, and welcome to yet another episode of Popping Off with Phil the Podcast. Happy Tuesday, co-host. Hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. Hope you got an opportunity to tune in to the Super Bowl. Um, Shouts out to the Kansas City Chiefs of Kansas City, Missouri, and not Kansas. Uh, And also, you know, it's Black History Month, so I would be remiss if I didn't uh, shout out Patrick Mahomes the second. Um, because on Sunday he became uh, the youngest quarterback in league history to be named MVP and win the Super Bowl. And additionally, he became only the third African-American quarterback to win the Super Bowl. So, you know, that's pretty dope for him, being that he is young, like born in 1995 I believe so he's a pretty young cat so even though he he felt or what I've at least what I've read that it wasn't his best showing it wasn't his best game so you know it it just goes to show that we all have good days and we have bad days And, and sometimes what we consider to be our worst is uh quality (laughs) enough to win a Super Bowl and be named MVP so shout out to him um, I'm not really a huge Super Bowl fan. I'm not really a huge sports fan. I think I've talked about this before with like my granddad and how, you know, he really was a lover of sports and it didn't matter who was on or what type of sport was playing. Like he would just watch sports and I'm not that guy. Um, but, you know, the Super Bowl for a lot of people is about the commercials. For me, it's about the music. I'm always curious and like to hear who's singing the national anthem, who's singing America the Beautiful, um, and the halftime show, depending on who the artist is, I'm interested to see how that turns out, which leads me to something I want to discuss. So, you know, every year around Super Bowl time, we have this grand debate about the best national anthem, and is this better than this, and, and or is this better than that? And, and for most of us, um, I guess this is another black history moment. <laughs> but for most of us, but even people who are not black, uh, people who are just appreciators of good music, know that Whitney Houston definitively has the best rendition of the national anthem ever. And... I like Demi Lovato. I I talked about her last week because I thought her great performance was phenomenal. You know, especially considering the year that she had that led up to that. And I'm so I'm so glad and grateful that she has, you know, built up the confidence again to be in the public eye and under public scrutiny because that just comes with the territory. Um, And she's a showman. So she she comes to play and I appreciate that about her but to compare her rendition of the national anthem to, to Whitney Houston's is just it's laughable <laughs> it really is that's the best way that I can phrase it um so the, the the debate normally stems because we all know that Whitney Houston's national anthem was pre-recorded and so I did a little research and the NFL Association prefers that an artist submit a pre-recording of 
their their anthem or their song. So whether it is the national anthem or the um, or the, the America the Beautiful, and I and I also believe they they kind of prefer if the artist who's doing the halftime show submits pre recordings as well. However, the artist has the choice. Um, but some of the things that they talked about are just variables, and, and, and I'm a singer, and but I'm not a professional singer, so you know I don't always have the luxury of 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 technology. You know, I've I've had to sing hoarse, I've had to sing under the weather, um, I've had to sing through some pretty strenuous circumstances, but under you know, in front of like 300 people as opposed to like 30 billion. Um, and so with that being said, if I was asked to sing the national anthem at the Super Bowl, which is highly unlikely, just put that out there, um, I would most certainly do a pre-recording because it's just too many variables. And as I've been reading, it's just a lot of variables. Um, Ricky Minor, who is, you know, a phenomenal musician and um, he, he plans and programs many, many shows and has worked with the likes of Whitney Houston and Jennifer Hudson and Faith Hill and different people says that you know it's something that he highly suggests because you can't control things like crowd value you know you won't be able to find your note and this is what I will say because I've been in audition rooms before I auditioned for Sunday Best I've auditioned for The Voice and my experience with Sunday Best, because I did, think I did Sunday Best first, which I think gave me the courage to do the voice. But my experience with Sunday Best is there are 40 people in the singing snippets of 40 different songs in 40 different keys. And you have to step up in your couple of seconds and hit your notes. And you would be amazed at how many people tanked in the first 15 seconds just because they couldn't sing on key and I learned from that experience like I literally realized that in the first 10 people because I think there were like I would say there were four lines of 10 and so they have the first line step up and everybody kind of sings their song and I was like oh my goodness people can't stay on pitch but how can you win the person before you the person after you is singing a different song in a different key and so I was you know trying to be repetitive like humming my starting note in my head and I still think I started higher than what I wanted to but I was fortunate that I was in a position where I could handle singing the song a half step higher or even a whole step higher you know a lot of people you know aren't in that position so I I can only imagine what it's like to be in a live scenario where you have so many different variables you got you know uh, fighter jets flying over the field. You got fireworks and pyrotechnics. You got people yelling and screaming. It's not like the entire crowd becomes hushed because there's other things going on and anything can throw you off. So a pre-recording makes sense. So we know that Whitney Houston sang to a pre-recorded track. We know that her mic was dead. Okay. Even with those things, you can't tell me that that wasn't the best rendition of that song that you ever heard. Um, you just can't, you can't make me believe it. <laughs> you can't make me believe it. And to prove that she can sing, when she did her Welcome Home Heroes concert in Norfolk, Virginia, on that, on that, on that base that was pretty much just open to 
serviceman. She started that concert off with the the, the Star Spangled Banner. And she sang it live. And we know she sang it live at that concert. So we know that she can do it. And that's not the point. Um, Ricky Minor also said that he suggested that Faith Hill and Jennifer Hudson sing their renditions of uh, America the Beautiful and the National Anthem, um, respectively, to pre-recorded tracks, which they did. Do I give Demi Lovato kudos for singing live? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wouldn't take anything away from her. But I'm not comparing her to Whitney Houston. And I don't foresee it in my lifetime. Anybody singing a better rendition? But, you know, maybe. Possibly. But highly unlikely. Anyway, this kind of goes into my thought process of today's episode, which is... Folks be irritating. And I know that, you know, you have to say it like that. Folks be irritating. And I know that that's not proper English, but I knew that it would capture some people's attention. And at first, I was just going to talk specifically about some issues with black folks. But then I was like, you know what? It's Black History Month. Let me give my folks a reprieve. I'm still going to talk about y'all, but not first. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about how other things irritate me. And then I'm going to talk about specifically how black folks irritate me. Um, and I just think that this was a lovely segue into that whole topic about folks being irritated because you're not going to sit up here and tell me that, that somebody sang the National Anthem better than Whitney Houston. I just don't believe it. And, and this is even, even if I wasn't a fan, and I'll give you an example because I was having a conversation with a coworker, colleague at work, and she was saying that, you know, I'm more of a traditionalist. I really like the star spangled banner to 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 sound traditional whatever that means to her um and she was like even though i i listened to demi lovato's and i you know i enjoyed it i think that she sang well i I wasn't too excited about the end you know and so obviously when i listened to it because i wanted to listen to it before i offered a critique or my assessment um i was like oh god i get what she's saying uh, I also was having a conversation with friends yesterday. I was talking about the pre-recording, which I was under the impression was a requirement of the NFL Association because they had this whole thing with Garth Brooks in the early '90s, where he apparently wasn't going to show. And so I thought that it became a requirement that they submitted because, well, if the person who's supposed to sing it live doesn't show up, then what are you going to do? <laughs> and I also know that there's a lot of pressure in the industry. Because people want to know if you're going to sing it live, if you're going to do your halftime show live, or whatever the case is. And people get flack about singing to pre-recorded tracks. But I think it's about the condition. Like, you know, at an award show, singing to a pre-recorded track, I'm a little iffy on that. But in a live space where you're outside, where there are elements and weather and different things like that, by all means, if doing a pre-recorded track is going to put forth the best effort, then do it. But anyway, I want to get off of that. The point I'm trying to make is art is subjective, which is going to be another great segue. Um, art is subjective, and people listen for different things. I know I'm listening for different things than somebody like my coworker was um, in terms of musicality, you know? Uh, but my dad has said it before. I can't tell you if it's flat or if it's sharp, but I can tell you if it sounds good, if, it, if it's pleasing to me, you know? And that's what it is. That's how it is. My father is a he loves this is my exodus um uh donald lawrence uh featuring leandria johnson uh he was like that's my song and i called him the other day and he was like 
now you got to finish my song because <laughs> you interrupted it. <laughs> He's so funny. Um, and I was like, what? What's your song? He was like, you know, he was like, this is my ex's, Donna Lawrence and that, that woman, whatever her name is. Like, he don't even know her name, but he knows that she's singing that song. And I do believe it's the words, but it's how she conveys the message. So art is subjective. And we have a right as consumers to say, I like this or I don't like this. Um, cause, cause we can do that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so let's talk about Tyler Perry real quick. So I'll be the first person to tell you that I grew up watching Tyler Perry plays. It was a family event. We would get together on one of those lazy afternoons, um, or lazy evenings, maybe a Saturday, maybe a Sunday, um, where maybe the weather wasn't, you know, uh, <laughs> permissible to be outdoors. And we would get together and we would laugh and we would laugh and we would laugh. They were funny. And I watched them over and over again because I enjoyed the music and I enjoyed Medea. Um, I don't even think I focused on, at that time, inconsistencies or things that didn't necessarily make sense or things that I didn't like. I just enjoy that production. You know, I enjoyed those productions. Um, when Tyler Perry transitioned from doing stage plays and more into, you know, uh, uh, to media, television media and movies, obviously there was a natural excitement because I enjoyed his plays. But his television series and his movies were a bit of a letdown. I've always said that I enjoyed Tyler Perry's movies that were not plays more like A Family That Prays. But let me tell you why I enjoyed A Family That Prays. Because I thought that A Family That Prays gave Sanaa Lathan Lathan? Lathan? It gave Sanaa because uh, I can't think of it. Is it Stan Lathan? It's Lathan. Okay. It's with an N. It gave her an opportunity to play a person that was so far removed from the other characters that she played you know seeing gabrielle union play a bitch <clears throat> wasn't uncommon and by her own admission not too far from who she actually really was at that time i believe she evolved um and i'm a fan of gabrielle union i'm just using her as an example but to see sanaa lathan in that role which was a departure from love jones which i'm not love jones that's not what she was saying love and basketball which was a departure from love and basketball which was a departure from the best man um it was good to see her in a role where she was selfish and self-serving and a bitch to her family to her mama to her sister to her husband she was a horrible fucking person um and i hated her but that's what it's about you know what i'm saying to see her play with kathy bates that's what it's about and i enjoyed that um i enjoy daddy's girls I enjoyed that. But some of his plays that became movies just didn't translate well to me. I enjoyed Why Did I Get Married? Um, the first one. Uh, but I did not care for the second. And I was so embarrassed because I took a friend and and she was like, well, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, girl, I really don't know. I can't tell you. I'm so sorry. People jumping out cakes and people um, driving into the street and getting hit by semi-trucks. I, 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 girl, I don't know what is going on. My apologies dinners on me but um it just didn't translate well the television shows don't translate well to me um 
Tyler recently admitted that he is his own writer's room. And and so when the movie of Fall from Grace, because I will tell you this, Tyler Perry can can structure a good ass trailer. I tell you, those trailers will have you thinking that this is about to be the best fucking film since uh since the color purple. I ain't lying. I'm not lying. Those trailers be awesome. But um, you see the movie and you be like, what's going on? I remember when um, was it Temptation? With uh, Journey Smollett, Bell, And I was just like... So when did... Becoming... HIV positive make you walk with a limp? Like I was just so confused... About her characterization of... This person who had been affected. You know, when she took drugs. It was like... It was over-dramatized as if like... If you've ever seen Porky and Bess... You know that Bess did... Did cocaine with, with Crown. And... It's an over-dramatization of when she, you know, of how she acts when the cocaine gets into her system. And that's kind of what happened to Journey Smollett Bell. It was like, girl, she took one sniff and now, like, one sniff of cocaine. And and and, and, and within seconds, she's a totally different person. Like, it was, <laughs> it was insane. And, and so I was so disappointed in that movie. And, and I do want to support because i believe in what it is that he does in terms of the fact that he has this studio and where it is you know it's on a it's on a it's on an old confederate fort like that means something it it definitely means something and i support the fact that he's employing african-americans giving them a chance and 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 even some of those individuals that might have been forgotten, like your sister Tyson's, and, and even like your Felicia Rashad's, even your Rupi Goldberg's, who hadn't done a movie in many years. Um, I'm appreciative of all that. But when you can take somebody like Whoopi Goldberg, who's an EGOT, and make her look absolutely insane in Four Color Girls, I'm over it. I'm over it. I am over it. But again, I think that people tune into his movies and to his television shows with optimism because we want to support because he is a brother and because of all of the things that I mentioned the work that he's given the opportunities that he's given to young artists uh, to to make sure that he's honoring and not forgetting our our elders I think that's phenomenal but I don't think that's an excuse to do subpar work and I do believe that as a consumer, and most certainly as an African-American consumer, which is his biggest base, I'm well within my right to criticize what it is that he does. And it irritates me that black folks say, well, if you don't like it, just don't watch it. Because it's not that simple. Why is it that it's okay for him to be mediocre? Why is it okay when we have all of these phenomenal African-American writers and contributors or other persons of color because he has other people of color in his films and in his television productions why is it that they're not in the room helping to create stories that are authentic and that are catching you know inaccuracies and inconsistencies in stories like when I was watching The Fall From Grace I was like so this girl went from community college which you know as far as I know only gives out two year degrees directly to law school you know what I'm saying I was just like, eh. you know what I'm saying? Or somebody made a comment and I didn't pay attention. It was like, so it took her 20 minutes to put these slippers on for her to walk downstairs barefoot. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's not necessarily a writer's room thing, but it's like, wasn't nobody on set to catch those things? Like nobody was paying attention to those things and like post edit. Like maybe we need to catch this. Like 
there's typically so much footage left on a cutting room floor um after a, a movie is actually made that you know things that we don't see and i always enjoy like oh these are scenes that we cut and different things like that but it's just like did they cut out the scene where she had the slippers on when she walked down the stairs because i think that would have been important and it just irritates me that we as black folks can't say this ain't good this just isn't good it's and it's not because it just ain't good you know i mean like there's really nothing else to say it's just not good and to say i do this all by myself um like somebody said that's a weird flex especially when we can figure out so many inconsistencies um and i understand it tyler perry was in a situation where he wasn't getting the support and backing that he needed from mainstream hollywood and so he was like instead of trying to get a seat at the table i'll create my own i'll build my own perfect however there's still work to be done you know there's still work to be done and granted tyler perry's still gonna make his money he's still gonna make his coin people are still gonna like his films it always it does kind of i gasp a little bit audibly when somebody was like oh that movie was phenomenal i'm like what movie did you see uh because it wasn't bad but it wasn't good but i still watched it to the end because i wanted to be able to talk about it intelligently and that's my thing a lot of times i just i want to follow things through because i think it's important like i want to have a conversation about it i can't have a conversation about it if i didn't actually consume the art but i think that we need to take our foot off this whole pedal of we can't criticize him and we should just stop watching no we should want him to do better especially if he wants our dollars and i don't think that there's anything wrong with that another thing that black folks get on my nerves with is and i'm and i'm guilty of this so i'm not you know i'm i'm in no way shape fashion or form a hypocrite um so i i don't have a problem with admitting to myself and to others when i follow the same ideal and way of thinking so grammy awards oscar awards golden globes um sags BAFTA awards i'm an award season junkie i just like it i I like the glitz and glamour of it i I think it's exciting when a nominate when nominations come out because i've always been an entertainment buff and what i try to explain to people is we as regular everyday folk um who complain about award shows and the prejudice within award shows and the biases that are built into award shows um how we're not gonna watch how we're not gonna support how we don't um we don't care and it's not our true representation of all of these things may be true but i want people to understand to the artist excuse me to the artist those awards those accolades those nominations still mean something and we can't forget that that it still means something it's still important to them because it still drives their compensation it still drives their notoriety it still drives their attractiveness and even those who are frustrated the only reason they hollering and bitching and moaning and complaining about being frustrated about not being awarded or recognized is because they want to be awarded and recognized they're not just saying it just on gp it's a reason behind it so for us to just as as regular folk um to just dismiss it as if it's not important it may not be important to us but it is important to them so let me say that first secondly i want to say that um even though it's a situation where we we feel this way um 
we shouldn't down folks, especially artists, who are excited about their wins and about their achievements and try to make it seem as if it's not a if it's not a big deal. Um, because it is. It's a very big deal to them. They put their blood, sweat, and tears in this particular project. Um, and they put art out. And again, art is subjective. So even though it's a project that I may feel very strongly about, you as a consumer might hate it. You as a consumer might think it's my worst project, but it might be the project that wins the award. That doesn't mean that I'm not, that I didn't deserve the award that I got. And so we just need to be careful about those things. And to that same tone, I know for me, I've said before, "Mm, that was a good movie, but I don't think that it was Oscar worthy. And I think that's something that we need to change our tune about. I think that we have conditioned ourselves to believe that there are only certain films that are worthy of that type of recognition. Um, And normally those films are biopics, certainly. I think that biopics are are strong in that category. And I, I haven't seen too many bad biopics. And a lot of times when biopics come out, I'm like, oh, this is Showfire going to be um, recognized by the Academy. But if I think back, Love Jones was a beautiful love story. No reason why that shouldn't have been recognized by the Academy. Set It Off gave us two of the best performances by actresses first of all Queen Latifah is a great actress so obviously she has done other work that has been recognized by the academies the the different academies she's won golden globe she's won a golden globe she's been nominated for other golden globes she's been nominated for oscars she's been nominated for sags and different things like that um because she's in that category where she gets that type of attention but I ain't never seen Vivica A. Fox act better than I did in Set It Off. I'll be honest with you. And I'm not saying that it should have won or could have won. But I do think that those performances were worth some type of attention. This is just my own personal um, my, my own personal idea, my own personal thought about certain things. I didn't like For Color Girls. And I think that most people in For Color Girls look the fucking fool. But specifically, Loretta Devine, Tandy Newton, and Macy Gray. Phenomenal performances in, in, in that shit show of a, uh, of a production. And I have a, an affinity for Color Girls, and so that's probably why I'm a little harsher to it. But it just wasn't good. I didn't have an issue with the fact that For Color Girls was a poem, was, was, a, uh, was a play. And so it's poetry and a lot of the speaking, the way things were done, were done in that way. No way it shouldn't have been recognized, you know. So those are not necessarily traditional films that would get the attention of those larger academies. But I think that we as black folks sometimes be like, well, you know, I don't really know. It was a good movie, but it wasn't like Academy Award winning and I think we need to change that idea that way of thinking that that way of communicating because it does make a difference um and this is another way why black folks become a nurse because we kind of downplay the things that are good and we focus our attention on things that are just okay now I'm not an actor or an actress um and I don't think this happens as much in singing but I've heard a lot of 
actresses i have friends who are actresses friends who are in and actors friends who are in graduate school and are talking a lot about you know um english actors like your naomi harris's like your cynthia revos like your idris elba's um like your david yellow um who are playing roles like martin um like harriet who are a little disconnected from the african-american experience because they are african in terms of descent but have lived very different lives because they're english um and i'm not gonna say that they don't have an argument because i'm sure that there are other qualified actors and actresses of african-american descent that are, are probably from you know um the the deep darks of mississippi and alabama um who could really portray those those particular characters but i think that we should be careful about those criticisms and those critiques as well like i I, people were saying things that didn't even make sense to me like i remember talking about hey wanting to go see harriet and um my friend was like well i read she don't even like black folks like that i was like what you know what i'm saying so like um i'm not saying you know i do understand that being english and african-american um is a different experience but i don't know what what interview was possibly taken out of context where maybe she said something and and i never even did the research because i just dismissed it but it's like she don't like black folks and she says she don't like black folks like she don't think she need black folks when everything that she's done has been black and black 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 she's won acclaim she has a grammy she has an emmy she has a tony because she was in one of the blackest fucking movies ever i mean uh uh well i'm sorry she was in one of the blackest adaptations from a movie she was in the color purple and she don't like black people when she's un you know been in the company of the likes of oprah and 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 um and and uh and whoopi goldberg girl get out of here like it it just doesn't make sense to me but nonetheless so i just think it's there are things that we tend to dive into and a college professor always used to say majoring in the minors that just don't make any sense and be wearing me out the last thing i want to talk to black folks about i said this wasn't gonna be all about black folks but black happy black history month um is I understand that black folks have been conditioned to be agreeable. And I know that I've talked about this before. Um, We don't want confrontation. We don't want no problem. We don't want to be looked at as being hostile. Um, And so we oftentimes take our foot off the gas in, in certain situations. We don't give certain situations as much energy as we give others. Um... And race is one of those things. And it irritates the fuck out of me when I hear black folks say, we don't always have to make it about race. You know, she just made a mistake. She just did this. And I want people to understand that there are inherent biases and prejudice that people have. Um, That if they're not making a constant effort to reject those things um reject things like privilege it comes they got it whether they want it or not it's there it's present and so when 
white folks do things that are offensive. And we as black folks, especially we as black folks who are their friends, don't call them to the carpet about it. And it doesn't have to be a public fiasco. But we don't have a conversation with them about that bullshit. They're going to keep doing it. Um, And that's something that we got to work on. Because, uh, a prime example. Kobe Bryant was in the NBA for 20 years. He only played for one team. He was drafted by another team, but he only played for the Lakers. The Lakers are in LA. How a woman conflated the Los Angeles Lakers with the New York Knicks to come out with the knackers or neckers or whatever the fuck she said is beyond me. Um... We as black folks are so quick to hang each other about inaccuracies and inconsistencies and things that don't make sense and mistakes that are made. But yet we find ourselves in situations where we can call a white person to the carpet and we don't because it was like, oh, it was an honest mistake. Anybody could have done that. I could have done that. That's bullshit. I don't care what anybody says. That's bullshit. I don't be it. I don't. I ain't buying it. Do I believe the woman should lose her job? Eh, maybe not. But if the white woman lost her job, don't you think she'd get another one? Probably so. Probably faster than me losing my job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it, it, it it's those things that really bug me about us. Because there are a lot of things that are about race. And when black folks say shit like, well, I don't see race and I don't see color and it don't matter to me. We all the same. It really burns me because that's impossible. And even if you don't see it, let me forewarn you, let me tell you, let me inform you, let me put you up on game. Even if you don't think race matters, they do. Nigga, they know you a nigga. So let's be clear about that. Let's not be confused about that because it's the honest to God's truth. So all of those individuals who believe that they have achieved certain prominence um, solely on their merit need to reevaluate those situations yes work hard yes earn what you earn all of those things are important but there's a reason why we got to be the best y'all let's not let's not ignore that we work and deal with uh, both professionally and personally socially with folks who we know don't be on their shit And we know for a fact, if those folks look like us, it would be a problem. So let's not pretend like race doesn't play a a, a tremendously important role in society and the world that it doesn't shape how people think, how people react, how people uh, how people evaluate situations and evaluate people. And let's not be the people who say that race doesn't matter. Let's be the people who. Say we know that race does matter. And and this is certainly a situation where race played a role and it needs to be addressed. Don't be those type of people who go along to get along just because you got white friends. Listen, I got white friends too. I got white friends that I know love me and that I love. But they also know who I am. And if they do something that ain't cool, I'm going to say something. Because if I can't say it to them as their friend, I know that their other counterparts aren't going to say shit to them. 
and I can't let them I can't let them slide like that. No, I ain't got no white friend that has ever, can ever, will ever say nigga and go unchecked. I ain't got no Hispanic friend who gonna say that shit either. Because that ain't right. And that's just the way that it is. And it don't matter how cool we are, how down we are. We grew up in the same neighborhood. We've been through the same shit. It don't matter if we ran from the cops together, if we robbed the bank together. It ain't cool. I ain't letting it slide. And we have to stop doing that. And that irritates the fuck out of me about black folks. When we don't look at those situations or when we just try to be like, uh, well, it ain't all about race. It's a lot about race. And let's just be honest with ourselves about that. And we can move on and we can have a better day, better day, a better life. We can we can <laughs> we can harmonize in peace. <laughs> the world would be a better place if we just begin calling things like they are calling spades spades and not trying to downplay shit that we know is obviously racist and obviously prejudiced um, because we we are are so driven by this optimism that the world is a better place now. On the counter, I don't believe that that means that we have to be overly pessimistic, but we do need to be conscious of things that we clearly know race is a factor. That's all I'm going to say. That's my soapbox. I'm up off of it. Things that be irritating because you have to say it like that. You just have to say irritating like that. Anyway, I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful Tuesday. Thank you for indulging my rant. I know that today's podcast is a little long. It's just shit I just need to get off my chest. Um, I hope you guys have a great week. Um, Gearing up for President's Day. Not that we're excited about President's Day, but it is a day off work for those individuals who get that Monday off. So I'm excited for any day I can get off. We get off a damn January, a damn February, and then nothing happens anymore until May. So I am definitely taking advantage of every free day that I get. Um, It's Black History Month. Do something great. You know, do something that you normally wouldn't do. I have been doing this for the last several years, and I guess I didn't realize how long until the other day. I've literally been doing this for about 11 years. So every day... um, of February, I post a little known black history fact or just something that I wasn't aware of because I believe that we are are wonderful people and we we've heard enough uh, and not to discredit anything that that they've done, but we've heard enough Martin, Malcolm, Harriet, Ida stories. And so I took it upon myself to do the research to do to to get the education to post things about other other black folks who have contributed to this great society um who we don't really know about who we don't really hear about and so that's why i do it that's the impetus for my black history post and and people expect it like people are sending me messages on like the 31st of january like hmm, can't wait till tomorrow <laughs> or you know with this expectation that these posts are going to be available so um it's definitely something that I've, I've invested time and energy in i created a hashtag um because my cousin encouraged me to because she said people want to look at these you know long after today they want to go back so it is hashtag feels black history reels um my best friend Brittany ragged on me because she doesn't like that people call me phil because my name is philip but nonetheless that's the hashtag um check it out um Check out my post on Facebook. If we're friends, I'm Phil Holly. I'm private, though, so you might not be able to find me. But I'm probably friends with most of the people who listen to my podcast. Nonetheless, I'm ranting on. I'm almost at 40 minutes. I love y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to like, 
to share, to repost, to comment, and to send me ideas. I need more and more ideas so that I don't have rambling episodes because I have something that I clearly want to talk about. I love y'all for real. Thanks for continuous, continuously supporting me. Peace.